0: Welcome. Um, we are glad you're here. If this is your first time with us. This is your millionth time with us. Um, somewhere in between, I'm so glad that you're here in person and online. And um, and truth be told, you know, here in central Pennsylvania, or at least this part, you know, school is starting. We're getting back into things and rhythm. So we're going to have a special prayer for all of you all that that affects um, at the end of our service today. We're just so grateful for the many people that pour into students and the students going back. And, um, and we're just grateful for you. So thanks for being here. Um, so we are in this series uh, brain games and um and this has been our kind of summer series. Uh, we've been walking through different scriptures. It'll conclude next week. Next week will kind of be the wrap-up of that. And we've been talking about the intersection of mental health and faith and how they're not strangers or we're not supposed to just pray things away and ignore the mental health aspects of our humanity. But that it's really, really important to talk about this stuff. Especially as, as people of faith and in church and, and regardless of where you are in your journey with Jesus, um, this is important stuff. And so um, and so, um, today I thought I'd start out, since um, we are going to talk about a little bit of heavy stuff, as we have a bunch of times in this series, but I thought I'd start out with something a little bit fun to lighten up the mood a little bit. A little bit of a brain game to get your brain going on a Sunday morning. Is that okay with you all? That's okay. Okay, we're going to get your brain going. And I don't know if you like word puzzles, um, I do not, I hate the things. Um, but we're going to share a couple of them anyway. And some of you may enjoy these and, um, and can pat yourself on the back. If maybe you score, a. I, I guess we have like six of them, uh, six out of six, then, you know, we'll give you a, like pat on the back brownie points for today in church. You can go tell your mama that you did well. Okay, so first one, um, you probably know this, they the, like, they're the words that are put together in a certain way and they mean like a certain phrase. Does anyone know what this is? Okay, good, yes, pat yourself back, right, Backpack. there you go, you're smart, you're very smart. Okay, what about this one? We're going to get progressively harder. I have the answers written because I forget, so. In between jobs, thank you over here, yeah, in, get it, in between jobs, okay, Um, if you didn't get that, we'll have these available for you later in some way, okay, top secret, thank you. What about the next one? This is a little harder. Split pea soup, thank you. Yes, ding, 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 ding. Okay, next one. It's a little harder. Okay, close. Very close, Alan. Anybody? If you're online, you can do it in the chat if you have any ideas. This is a little hard. How many ones are there? Four ones in my life. For once in my life, for once in my life, okay. Anyway, I didn't get that one either, so don't feel bad. Okay, and the last one try to understand. We have a champion over here. Did you get all of them right over there, Pam Border? No, not all of them. Okay. Anyway, give yourself a pat on the back so you just woke up your brain a little bit for a Sunday. That's always a good thing, brain games. Um, and so if you were confused by any of them, that's okay because, of course, life can be confusing as well and hard to understand um, as you try to understand. Um, and so today we're going we're gonna to talk about, I think, what is probably the most difficult of uh, the topic in our series and um, which can make your brain hurt, and that is um, one of trauma, trauma, um, that it's something that you don't hear frequently. Um, and I do have to say that, um, you know, I've been praying all week for this message, really. I know that there's many of us here that, that need a little bit of hope. We need an ounce of hope um, in our stories, maybe what you've been struggling with, or, or even somebody that you know has been struggling with. And I want to offer this, the hope that healing can happen, the offer... hope of healing. Um, But the the good question, though, to ask when we start out here is, what is trauma? Like, we have to define what we're talking about here, because, you know, you could throw around a word in a lot of different ways, and different people mean different things. Um, And the thing is, many people think that trauma is the painful event that somebody's experienced. I think it is the painful event, you know, the injury or violation or abuse. Um, But actually, trauma is the response is our response to what happens in an event. And um, the um, APA definition, um, if you wanna go clinically, is this, that it's an emotional response to a terrible event like an accident, crime, or natural disaster. Or more generally, I would say this, it's our response to a deeply disturbing or distressing event. Um, Kind of those definitions combined there. And um, statistics show, believe it or not, that 60 to 70% of us will experience some form or shape of trauma in our lifetime. That's a lot of people. 60 to 70% will experience trauma. And when it comes to trauma, it's not just physical injury or abuse. Um, It can also be emotional, it can be spiritual, and it can be mental as well. Um, And so that's why I think it's important to recognize that the wounds you can't see are just as important as the wounds that you can. Um, And the thing is, the wounds that you can't see often, too, often take a lot longer to heal. They'll take longer to heal than when, you know, you cut your arm or you have some other sort of injury. And they can be easily triggered. And you know this, you know, it's why, hey, something happened over in maybe a certain location and every time you go to a similar, like, you can't go there anymore or uh, you're easily triggered, you know. And the thing is that those who have endured trauma um, don't just have tormented minds, they have wounded souls, wounded souls that really need a sense of healing. And so um, today we're going to walk into this very prayerfully. Um, and I would love, I just want to say a short prayer here. I'd love if our church would, would just pray with me. So let's just go to Jesus. Lord Jesus, um, we ask that you would do with this message and this time, Lord, Um, Your will be done, Lord. We seek you as our healer. We seek you as the one we um, look to in these moments, Lord, and that you would use these words, you would use this time together as you will. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. Um, But you know what? It, It is interesting, though. If you look at things generationally, it's interesting to see that there are generational differences when it comes to trauma. And these days, we tend to be a lot more open about talking about trauma because uh, there is the, the one generation perspective of, and maybe you belong to this or maybe someone in your family does, the one generation that says, get over it, right? Just like, get over it. You know, that, that growing up, you fell and an adult told you when you got, you know, we're getting up off the ground, maybe you fell off your bike and you skinned your knee. And what did the adult say in your life? Rub some dirt on it, right? Just rub some dirt on it, like get back up and get back on the field and, or get back on that bike, right? And I mean, everybody grow up like that. Maybe you grew up like that or you know somebody that, that did. It kind of a get over it type mindset. But the thing is, truthfully, when it comes to real trauma, it, you don't just get over trauma or move past it you have to heal from it. It's not something to get over or even get through. And, and the thing is, when a trauma never heals, the warning is, when a trauma never heals, what happened yesterday keeps on happening. What happened yesterday keeps repeating itself inside you. And, but the thing is, just because trauma is a fact of life doesn't mean that it has to be a life sentence. Just because sixty to seventy percent of us will endure trauma doesn't mean it has to be a life sentence. And so, I, I want to build a little foundation here to understand what's going on and, and show really in Scripture um, how we pursue healing and how do we uh, use God's help in that pursuit of healing. And and so, I want to look at what are the three types of trauma that you can endure. Um, Once again, this is going to tie into a story in scripture we're going to look at in a couple minutes, but three types of trauma is, um, first, there's an acute type trauma, acute, and this is what would be called, once again, these are kind of clinical definitions. It's a response from a one-time traumatic event, a one-time event. Maybe you were in a car accident, right? You can be traumatized from that. Maybe you're a first responder who attends to people's car accidents. Um, You know, if you live in Oklahoma, maybe you were traumatized by a tornado, or you've lived in Florida and you're traumatized by maybe your home got hit by a hurricane. But it was traumatic. Other things could be, um, maybe you've experienced a complicated birth. That can be traumatic. Maybe your house has been foreclosed or you've endured being homeless for a period of time. Or, or even things, uh, even more complicated things and, and, and pa- very painful things like, like date rape those types of things that can be really, really serious, but we're kind of a one-time event, just as serious as anything else. But then there's a second type of trauma, chronic trauma. Chronic trauma, and that's really a long-term trauma, long-term resp- uh, response from kind of repeated or ongoing prolonged events. Um, it can be things like maybe in school, like you were bullied all through school, or maybe, or maybe you've experienced racism for most of your entire life even coming to adulthood. Or maybe maybe you grew up in a household where your mom or dad was an alcoholic, um, or your, environment, your home environment never felt safe. Maybe there's been controlling behavior that's experienced by a family member, or even things like, like physical or emotional or sexual abuse by somebody that should have been protecting you and not harming you, but that's a kind of chronic. It's a long-term kind of repeated or prolonged type of trauma. And then the third kind is what's called complex. Basically, it's complicated, meaning that this is your response to multiple and ongoing events. It's a combination of both acute and chronic. It's both at the same time. It might be multiple things that have happened, maybe being raised in a home or married to someone or an event happens or a disaster takes place. Maybe there's chemical abuse, maybe there's emotional abuse or physical abuse that's tied in the mix, or maybe it also took place at school when you were a kid, like all those things that work together. It's a complex kind of trauma. But the thing is, no matter what kind of trauma, no matter what kind of trauma, of these three that may be a category that you might fit into, um, trauma changes how you see, whether it's acute, chronic, or complex. It changes how you see. It changes how you see life how you see people, how you see God. Um, And so to just illustrate that, I want to give you kind of an example that is definitely not quite as severe as many people have been through. Um, But my counselor friends also say that you never compare trauma, by the way. You don't compare trauma, that you just seek God for healing. But let me give you a little illustration. When I was a graduate student um, studying environmental science before I got into ministry, uh, I lived on the univer- um, at the University of Maryland on the Eastern Shore of Maryland, a very rural area. And many of you guys know I'm a runner, and um, I've been a runner for a long time. Well, I would go on runs through like the countryside. It was beautiful, and um, and there was like the the river was right there, and there was farmland. So I had this one route that would kind of go in this rural stretch, but there were a couple houses that were along the way. Well, one day. One day I'm running along my morning route, jogging along, and all of a sudden, you know what I saw in the distance? The house that I run past all the time, it had two dogs. Two dogs, big, big dogs. I don't know what breed of dogs, I'm not really good at that, but there were big, big dogs, two of them. And I'm running along, and I see these dogs, they start barking, and then I notice that they don't have leashes. They're not tied up either. And the dogs start barking. I'm running. I'm like, uh-oh, this is not good. And so I'm running along, and all of a sudden, what else do I see? The dogs, they start coming at me. They are taking off like 100 miles an hour. And what do I do? I, there's nobody around, by the way. This is in the middle of nowhere. I'm running. I'm like, holy, I thought some things. And then I went, I went along, and, and all of a sudden, these dogs, seriously, they, they come up the one grabs me in the leg, I kick it off, I kick the other one, I ran across the other side of the street, and fortunately there was a, a truck that was coming, for I didn't get hit by the truck too, that would not bad, but this truck comes along, so the dogs kind of go over to the other side, and then there was a car behind the truck that saw, had witnessed me getting attacked by these dogs, they had gotten me in the, in the leg, and so they picked me up and actually took me into town a little bit. And um, it was was just crazy. And unfortunately, the the dogs wound up having no tags. They wound up having no shots. Uh, They had unfortunately, having to be put down because even the people at the shelter that they took them to couldn't even go in to feed them. They were attack dogs. Um, And so I had this, like, wound here and I got bandaged up. And I have to say, the trauma I experienced from that was I would go walking into town. You know, this is maybe couple weeks, months, even years later. And a friend of mine might bring her little chihuahua named Fluffy upside. And I would be like, oh, got to get away from that. Like, that's not good. Once again, oh, she don't bite. Right. That's what everybody says, by the way. Right. They don't bite. Nobody bites Fluffy. Right. And especially whenever I'm out running, whenever I'm out running, like I'm not really afraid of dogs right, right now anymore. But running plus dog is like no, no in my books. Like, I go to the other side. I'll take a detour. I will go wherever. Like, I'm traumatized. Like, it changed how I see these little fluffy, cute animals. <laughs> um, or or even, this is a, just a short story. When I was 15, I had a friend who drove me and my brother to school. And one day, she pulled a little bit too far up at a stop sign. And there was a car coming the other way and hit him. And he went into somebody's yard. And I have to say... Um, now, these, even these days, I inch up to the like, white line at a stop sign. I inch up because of that experience. And I also have to say, when I drive with you all, I put my right foot down on that floor, too. So I don't trust nobody. <laughs> nobody inching up. Like, you're like, I'm fine. I just go right up to the stop. No. You know, but but you, know, you can laugh at these types of stories, you know, and you have them, too, different triggers and things. But, but honestly, it changes what you see. It changes how you see and for you, you know, on a more complex scale, it might be, you know, someone who hurts you. There's difficulty in trusting people. Maybe there's certain people in your family. Uh, maybe you've been in church. Maybe you've been spiritually manipulated in church. Maybe that's been your whole religious experience. And maybe you even find it difficult to trust God. But, but that's where the question comes in, though, that how do we heal, right? How do we heal from trauma? How do we heal? Well, I want to look at a story of someone in Scripture that you wouldn't have guessed um, experienced trauma, and that's the story of the Apostle Paul. Um, And actually, by the way, Jesus is also a trauma victim, a trauma survivor as well. Um, But I think we can relate to Paul probably a little, just a little bit more on a human level as being um, a a person. Um, And it's interesting, the Apostle Paul, so he has a lot of good stats behind him. Uh, He wrote actually two-thirds of the New Testament scriptures, um, and yet he experienced acute, complex, and chronic trauma, like all three together. And if you didn't know a little bit of Paul's story, so this was 2,000 years ago, Paul was actually on the flip side of of, um, religions. He was a, a Jewish man, and especially once Christianity, once people started following Jesus, he was part of the side of people that was trying to get rid of Christians. They were actually going and arresting people at the time. There was great persecution going on. And Paul was involved with the movement to try to eradicate these followers of Jesus, whether by arresting them. Or taking them away, or stoning them. He was there at the stoning of uh, Stephen um, in the scriptures in the book of Acts. Um, And so he was initially responsible for that. And then, though, his experience gets flipped upside down. That's how he became one of the writers of the New Testament scriptures. He had a conversion experience where he came to follow Jesus instead and stopped his behaviors before. Um, And his conversion experience was very traumatic, it was very traumatic. Um, I don't know about you, maybe you have a story or a time or a moment of when maybe you placed your faith in Jesus, maybe it was at an altar rail or a a certain time or experience in your life, Um, and maybe for you, maybe when you um, claimed Christ for yourself, maybe for you it was a peaceful experience, there was a song playing, right? There were happy tears, maybe it was at a sunset, maybe Michael W. Smith was playing in the background. Well, none of those things happened for Paul's experience. See, Paul was killing Christians, and in Acts chapter 9, you can read about that, but then he's on his travels one day, and suddenly this light from heaven knocks him off his horse, literally, and a voice speaks to him, but the voice is not singing, Jesus loves me. The voice says this, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Oh, like, whoa, this is crazy. And not only that, but not only is Jesus questioned, but, but... Paul, he, he's made blind. He's made struck blind. Like, who does that? That's just crazy. It's just crazy. And he's unsure about what is going on. And some, some of his friends take him to this, this house. And then this random guy, this is, this is in the Bible, by the way. Read this, story in Acts chapter 9. Um, where this random guy is sent to heal him at his house. And so he comes to faith in Jesus. And this Christian killer turns into a believer. Um, and the good news is this. Is that after that happened? So listen. The good news is God rewarded him with a six-figure salary, great benefits, and a beautiful house in Duncan, in Pennsylvania. <laughs> no, no, he didn't. He didn't. Not just leaving out the Duncan part. No, no. What happened to Paul was, for the rest of his entire life, he endured prolific abuse. He endured prolific abuse. He was running for his life. Um, in your notes, there's a list of scriptures. I'm not going to go through them, but um, I think we have a picture of the different places that Paul was run off of. Um, there were many, many cities and towns where he knew people, where he had friends that he had worked with because that's what he did. He was part of that movement to get rid of Christians, people that ran him off. And these weren't just strangers, and they, and they, they, they gave him phys- like just physical abuse, physical harm. He put others in harm's way, people that were traveling with him. He endured ongoing and severe trauma. But I think not just that fact is important, but he also shows us a bit of how we heal, how we heal too. And the first thing I want to look at is, is how we heal, and that is that it has to begin with processing the pain, processing the pain of our trauma. That In, in order to process it, first we have to acknowledge it, and, and, and maybe there are some of you guys here that um, you continue to act like that trauma never happened, Um, Well, that kind of stops things. You don't heal when you ignore the wound or you suppress it or you forget it. You start to heal when you process it. Um, And part of it is starting that story and admitting to say, hey, I was abused or "This, this event happened and this really disturbed me. And 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 of course, let me just make a side note. There are people, you know, that that throw out the word abuse a whole lot and say like everything is abuse. Let me say that just because somebody disagrees with you doesn't mean that they're necessarily abusing you or somebody that's correcting you. Um, But but abuse, you kind of know it when you've been trying to rationalize it or how or trying to understand how maybe you caused it or asked for it. Um, And there comes a point to admit that, to say I was abused, I was abandoned. I was mistreated. I saw things growing up or by people, I saw things I shouldn't have seen. Um, and, and the reason why we try to bury it is because it makes us feel vulnerable or helpless. But what happens is that instead of seeking connection, what happens is when we don't acknowledge it, when we don't begin to process it, we start prioritizing protection prioritize protection. That we push trusted people. We trust people that could be helping heal us. We push them away. And the problem is with that is that we never heal in isolation. You know, you know that physically. You have to go to the doctor in order to, you know, get a prescription or get them to stitch you up. That we don't heal in isolation. We heal best in community. And that if we don't process through and, and, and grieve, like there's a grief. We have to grieve Loss. If we don't do that, we wind up sometime in our life turning to something else. People turn to alcohol or sex or food or work. And even talking to my first responder uh, chaplain friend, he says a lot of first responders and and even those who who have have experienced very traumatic things, turn to dark humor. Dark humor is the number one thing. Making a joke of very, very sad and crazy type things. But, But Paul shows us, though, is that we have to process the trauma. We have to process it. And so he writes this in his letter to the Corinthian church, in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Um, He he writes this in verses 24 to 29. He says, he tells a story. He says, five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Ouch. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, everybody In danger in the city, in danger in the country, danger at sea, danger from false believers. I've labored and toiled, and I've gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst, and I've gone without food. I've been cold and naked. Besides anything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak? And I don't feel weak. Who's led into sin? I don't inwardly burn. And then he said this a little bit earlier in the first chapter where he tells a story. Of, of this. He says, we were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, that we despaired of life itself. Think about that. Paul, Paul, probably the, the greatest church planter there ever was, he said, we despaired of life itself. Like, he felt that. He felt that. You know, and, and if you've ever felt so hurt or fro- so deeply that you didn't know if you wanted to go on, you know, the, the guy who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he's also been there and experienced that. But he processed it. He talks about it. He tells about it. He doesn't hide it. And I think that makes him human. He acknowledges these things open, and we have them to read here 2,000 years later. But it doesn't just end there, though, that he processes it. But then there's also a part of prayerfully pressing into God with the story of the trauma. Pressing into God. It's not just something to go, blah, like, here you go. But prayerfully pressing into God with the story of the trauma. And it's interesting. The next chapter in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 Paul uh, talks, uh, we don't really understand the context of what he's talking about, but he describes um, a thorn that's been tormenting him. It's kind of connected to this first part, to this uh, chapter 11. He describes a, a thorn that's been tormenting him in his life. And, and I would say we all have a thorn, right? Something that's tormented you. Um, you know, and, and some of you all, some of you all having knowledge or don't know that you have one. You might be sitting next to one, but please don't elbow them. That was a joke, by the way, but anyway. Um, but but the thing is, something something a thorn is something that we have that we wish we didn't have in life. Something we've experienced, something that 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 nags at us, something that that torments us. And he says this, Paul, the apostle Paul. He says three times, three times I pleaded with the Lord to take it away from me, three times. And most scholars agree that this wasn't three prayers. But this is three seasons of prayer, three seasons. But we also have to notice, though, that he prayed to God, but he didn't blame God or anyone else. He took it to God. He prayed, he pleaded, and he begged. And that means for us, we can take our hurt directly to God. We don't have to go through somebody else. We can go directly to God and then take it again. And then take it a third time, you know, to unload on God and say, hey, that wasn't fair. You know, that shouldn't have happened. I shouldn't have felt that way. I, I, God, I don't understand, you know, to tell that story and own this story. And then he says this, though. He says in response, but, but God said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my power is made perfect in weakness. My grace is sufficient. That, that, that's something, by the way, I personally I cling to, I, I write that verse down. My grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. And then Paul continues and says something that would be really weird in any other circumstance. He says, that's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses in insults and in hardships and persecutions and difficulties. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. And friends, that, that only comes from being with God, from going to God, not trying to do it on yourself or try to come up with all the self-help type things. you know. And, and once again, I'm not saying, that hey, don't go see a therapist. Don't like, yes, please do that. But it's a both and. It's a both and. and. And the thing is, even just like in Paul's circumstances, even if God doesn't take it away, still it gives you grace. He gives you grace to receive that grace, to give grace to yourself, to give grace to others, that nothing Nothing can change your past, but God can heal a broken heart. And Psalm 34, 18 says, The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. And I think that's the third piece that I think Paul shows us too. It's not just, you know, um, that that we we acknowledge that and we process it. And that we go to God with our pain and and go to those people that God has placed in our lives. But that the third part is, we also let God turn our trauma into fertilizer, we let God turn our trauma in our fertilizer, you know. And, and honestly, when you're in the middle of hurting, it's too soon to think about this. You have to be a little bit past, a little bit distant. It might be a not yet thing. Um, but but what, is, what is fertilizer? All my gardeners, all my farmers, what is fertilizer actually? You know, we add chemicals, but what is it really? Go ahead, Dave. Anything you can put in the garden that smells. Okay. So things like dead dead thing oh what's that helps you grow yes so basically dead things and crap dead things and crap honestly dead things and crap that's what fertilizer is and think about your own life though the dead things and the crap they may have landed in your yard but what they can be used for is not for you but it's for somebody else to grow something and once again, it's not to say that God caused that, or God, you know, oh gosh, the, you know, He orchestrated this to happen. But it's saying that that could be used to fertilize. It could be used for something else. This Paul, who's been shipwrecked, he's been stoned, he's been beaten, he's been abandoned by his friends, he's been left for dead. He goes on to say this. He says, "Praise, praise be to the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble." with the comfort we ourselves receive from God. That's fertilizer right there. You know, that's fertilizer. And, and honestly, friends, like, you know, normally this would be the point in the message, you know, kind of wrapping things up. I would tell the story of someone who experienced a trauma in their life and like they turned it into ministry. But, um, but I think it's important to know that there's times that, you know, I sit here too. I sit among my people because guess what? Your pastor is a people your pastors of people. I've endured trauma. I've endured things that, once again, I didn't have to experience. And I'm not about to tell those stories, and there's nothing to read into this by any way. But that, that I think it's important to acknowledge that so many of us here are there. So many of us sit with these very painful histories and painful things we've experienced. And And it can be very heavy. There's people that are experiencing sitting with that that are hurting and and things are not right. Or that there's someone on your heart. Your heart's breaking for someone. And maybe, yes, maybe it's been a physical injury. Maybe it's more of an emotional, a mental, a spiritual one. And sometimes, though, our goal is just to get through the trauma. But what if God wants to grow fruit through the trauma? A hundredfold fruit what if God wants to grow something through it? He can't, you can't change it or take it away. Nothing can change your past, but God can heal you for what's ahead. Nothing can change the past, but God can heal us for what's ahead. And that's to say, you know, the trauma, no, it may not have been your fault. It may not have been something that, that you planned. It may have happened 50 years ago, but pursuing God for healing doesn't just happen. We have to choose it. We have to pursue it. It's just like, you know, if somebody ran your car, it ran their car into you, or, or if you had a chainsaw and you were cutting things and whoop, you slipped, right? Like, yeah, maybe somebody else did that or made a mistake, but you have to be the one to go to the ER and seek the healing. So God is God. We trust him because he's the only one, the only one who can bring darkness out of light, life out of death. That nothing can change our past, but God can heal you for what's ahead. And that is where we trust, where we rely, that we have a good God. And my hope today is that that would bring you some hope. Bring you some hope that there is a future, there is a next, and that healing is possible. And so what I'd like to do is, um, as we come to the table this morning, um, is that we would just bow our heads, close our eyes for just a minute and to reflect. And maybe there's been something that's in your heart that's been there for a while. There's been mounting experience. Maybe you're in that, that complex trauma category that there's been things that um, you don't even know why you're reacting a certain way and you can say, hey, you know what? I never really talked about that, about what happened or, or I've never really processed that. I pray that you, as those those pieces, maybe even faces, um, maybe names or places or different times, as those things come to mind, that you would lift them up. You would lift them up to your heavenly Father who knows you and gets you and loves you. And to know that there is healing. There is possible healing from this. And that he has a future that's ahead, that you don't have to be stuck there, whether you were five years old, 14, 28, whatever it was, 45, whatever, that you don't have to be stuck at that moment of trauma, but that he wants to give you healing and grace. Would you accept that? Would you receive his grace? Not because you've done something wrong, but grace out of a loving father that wants to wrap his arms around you. Grace that is sufficient. As Paul said, grace that's sufficient for this moment and the next. He would offer those things to him. And that this may be maybe the first day in that healing process. Maybe it's the hundredth day in that healing process. That he would give you the strength and the courage not to do it alone, to seek healing in community, seek help where needed, and to know that you're not alone. And so, Jesus, Lord Jesus, come, Lord Jesus. Lord, you know what it's like to experience that trauma, the trauma of going to a cross. Lord, allow us to lay our concerns, to lay those needs at your feet today, Lord, to lift them up to you to carry, especially when they're too heavy. To know that you are our healer, Lord. Like we sang earlier, you are our way maker and our sustainer. And so we remember that we are not alone. We remember all that Jesus has done for us. And how he's with us in these moments. And so as we prepare the table today, we share in the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. And so we say, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen.